All right, guys, a special episode for you today. We have Dr. Mike Fucci, or as he is known in our mastermind group, Gucci Fucci. Uh, Mike has been with us for quite a few months now, and I think it's a fantastic story and opportunity for you guys out there about how quickly you can get your rehab chiropractic practice up, running, and successful. Um, Mike graduated chiropractic school in 2021, as he talks about in this story. He's on Long Island, and he had a series of mediocre to bad associateship experiences and decided it was time to go out on his own. Uh, His first month in business, I believe, was like July, August-ish. He did over $10,000 in revenue. Um, It seems like he's about averaging $15,000 roughly since he's been open, and he's just getting started. Um, As you'll hear, Mike's a very, very, very bright guy, very articulate. He's very good at explaining what he did, action he's taken. Um, One of the things about being very smart, which we go through, is that oftentimes you can overthink things, but... The thing about Mike is he combines his ability to be very smart, be very analytical, but also to go really fast in the right direction. And if you've listened to the podcast or you see me on Instagram, you'll see I speak a lot about some of the traits of business owners and entrepreneurs that I find to have the most success. Um, Speed of action, obviously being intelligent, being able to speak, but just going and taking action fast. You know, there are some things that Mike has done in his practice where he said, oh, I did this. And I was like, hey, guys, why don't we do this at our practice? So I've learned from Mike already. Um, I It's the fact of how quickly he's grown this fast. It's going to be really fun to watch what he does going forward. Mike is somebody who makes my job as a coach, he makes me look really, really good because the advice that's given, he goes and takes it. He has the right attitude. Um, He does all of the right things. And so again, it's just an honor to have him as part of our community. I think you're going to get a ton of value out of this podcast um, as I always do when I listen to interviews because you can hear another voice, how someone else has done it. And I think more than anything, which I preach all the time is, The biggest thing we need in life is seeing people that have done it to let us know what's possible. And to get my business started, to get Mike's business started right away, $10,000 a month, and now he's averaging about 15 in under a year. You know, you guys out there that want to know if it's possible to run a rehab chiropractic practice, it absolutely is. Now, I hope, obviously, from this podcast or from our group that the group is providing that much value for people to help them along the way. And I think that has done it for Mike. So obviously there are people and mentors and steps along the way and courses that need to be put into place so that people can get these type of results. But I mean, looking back and recently with someone like Angie or someone like Mike, I mean, again, it just makes my job so much fun to do, to watch them have success. And uh, if I keep getting people like Mike into our mastermind group, I'm going to have a a really successful business coaching career and coaching business. Um, Quick ask, if you do enjoy this pod, again, we don't do ads or anything like that. So I would really appreciate it if you do find value. Please share it on your Instagram, on your story, tag me in it. Uh, That's how the podcast spreads. We're going on a year of podcast episodes. We've been consistent once a week for the year. It continues to grow. Every month on month on month, we get more downloads, more listeners, and all of that. And that only happens because you guys continually share it. So share it with your friends, share it with your enemies. 
Uh, any way we can get more people to the pod would be a absolutely amazing thing for myself and hopefully for people out there so that we can continue to grow that rehab chiropractic community. I hope you enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, we're live with Mike Fucci, also known in the mastermind as Gucci Fucci. Mike, how are you today, bud? I'm doing good. I want to get started um, right away. You are a great lesson in case studies and different opportunities and actions and things that have gone poorly well, but I think there's so many lessons to be drawn from from you specifically, which we've mentioned. The first one, the first time you and I ever talked, which is always the lesson I use, and now we're going to kind of unmask the uh, the person here of the person focused on the wrong things early on. And so when you and I first talked, the first thing I said, you look so stressed. And I said, what's going on? He said, I'm ready to open my practice and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, what about, about what? And you said, I don't know what EHR to choose. I've been looking for a year or a month at the right EHR and I'm not sure what to do. And I, I remember saying to you, what, what about finding a patient so that you can write your EHR? So Bring, our, bring yourself back to that point for the audience so that you were, what was your thinking then and what have you sort of learned since that point and what's the lesson to share? So when I was first looking at EHRs, I had so many different uh, EHRs that I was considering and I, I kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down. This took like two months. Uh, and one of the things that I realized in that decision, it was probably the best case that I've had so far for this um, lesson was I ended up picking the wrong one. So I spent two months, I picked the wrong one, and then I had to uh, go backward on my decision and, and switch over to the other one anyway. So I could have eliminated two months of analysis paralysis by just picking the wrong one in the beginning, backing out of it anyway, because I, I basically signed a contract for a year. I had to buy my way out of the contract. It was a $1,000 mistake. But the lesson, I guess, is invaluable, right? Because I ended up learning that it doesn't. It's, it's more about the speed of the decision than whether it's the right decision, because you could still make the wrong decision anyway. Yeah. I think about how much time I wasted when I could have spent two months uh, getting a patient, doing yeah. networking. Horrible. It, you know, it's interesting because we talk about how the decision making sort of transfers over into other things, and the fact that you can sort of learn that lesson early on. You know, we call that the the stupid tax, so to speak. But the lesson that you'll be able to learn from that long term, and I think you can always sort of keep that with you. You know, down the line, and you know, you know, I deal with it with people with taking the course and not, and they have all these reasons why, and they think about it and they analyze and they make an analysis of it. And at the end of the day, like nothing will change in the two months, but they just either make the decision or they don't, and so. So, you know, as you sort of talked about, it could be EHR, it could be finding a new office, it could be hiring somebody, but that lesson of sometimes making the decision, I still might not get it right, even if I spend all of that time. And the idea that, you know, you were able to learn that very, very quickly and now put into practice for the next 30 years, you know, that thousand dollar stupid tax might be the best money you ever spent to be able to make that decision. So then the next thing that I want to talk to you about was you and I first spoke we talk about sales and having empathy for people and not being salesy and, and those type of things. And, you know, my process of trying to get people in the program is I talk to them initially and then I'll oftentimes send videos to watch. And then we get back on a call 
and we talk about the videos and if it's the right move and decision, then we move on with it. And I remember I got on the call with you a second time and you're like, I didn't have time to watch the videos. And I said, okay, well then you're not going to have time to do the course. And it was a good lesson reminder for me too, from a sales perspective of, I'm not going to attempt to get someone in something. If they don't have time to do the first thing, how are they going to have time to do what I actually need them to do to grow the business? And so I, I think that's important for patients as well. It's like, if someone doesn't want what we have or doesn't have the time air quotes or doesn't have the focus, then we're not going to try to put a hard sell on them because even if they say yes, we're not going to get the outcome that we want. And um, I always say the best surgeons pick the best patients. And I think that's the same thing with chiropractors. I think it's the same thing with business coaches. We have to, it's a, it's a two way street where we're sort of interviewing that other person as well. So talk us through, you know, for you from a time perspective and focus perspective on how your mindset has shifted to maybe understanding, I do need to spend this time or maybe how you've translated that into, you know, working with patients. Oh man, it's a great example. So when I first hopped on the call with you, everybody like you almost expect a car salesman pitch. And it was yeah. like the furthest thing from that. Uh, when you say sales doesn't have to be sleazy, you embody that to a T because I felt so comfortable. I felt like I could ask you questions. And you told me, hey, this isn't the right fit for you at this time. And I was like, wow. I remember going home to my wife and I was like, did he just not sell me? And I was like, wow. Uh, which made me want it even more. You know, So whether, who knows whether that was intentional or not, probably, I know it's not, but the, um, well, it was intentional in the idea that, like, again, the best surgeons pick the best patients. And so if you bought it from me at that time and didn't and did have the same level of focus or lack of time, you're not going to get a good result. And again, I'm not stupid. Like, I understand that the people, the way my program grows is when people have good results. And so in the short term, I'm going to forfeit the money, so to speak, with the idea that when you come to it with the right mindset and attitude, there's going to be the long-term gain for you, which also benefits me. And by the way, that's business. So up to this point, I've been, I've been really critical of my sales process because I remember so the first patient I had, and this was like, I was halfway through the student mentorship at this time. And I, I was going through the process and I was like, okay, I'm going to play out some of these sales techniques. I'm not going to like, I basically held this woman hostage and just kept running through, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if, and that was the most uncomfortable for me. It was the most uncomfortable for her. And ultimately I wasn't trying to help her. I was trying to help myself. It was the first patient I ever had in this office. It was a total mistake. Uh, and I think when we try to hold a patient hostage, when we try to sell them something, whether regardless of whether it was what they needed, you know, I did so many things wrong that sale. I, I came up with a three-session package because she didn't need 12. I figured out her problem in the DV and gave her all the stuff to do it in the DV. So the eval was free because she wanted it in a raffle. And it was... I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong with that case, but I learned so much from it. So now when I'm doing the sales process, regardless of whether I think the patient, you know, whether I want the patient to be a patient of mine is, doesn't matter. It matters what they think. So one of the things I've changed in my sales process is asking them, what are you looking to do? What do you want? Like out of this, what is your goal? And by focusing on that, I can actually dictate my plan better. And I become like 10 times better in sales just by asking them what they want and figuring out their stuff. Um, so we sort of skipped ahead because I wanted to get the podcast off to a, hopefully a good start, but now let's kind of take a step back. So 
you are, when did you graduate? Tell us what your journey has been to this point. And the reason why I'm asking is because, you know, a lot of people that talk to me, they can relate to your story and they want to know how quickly people can have success. And, you know, I want you to talk through whatever you're comfortable with as far as where you, an associateship, to starting your mm-hmm. own to uh, revenue that you experienced early on. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I think what we can do for other people is just show them what's possible. And you're a great example of that. So take us back and give us a little history on where you've been. Yeah, of course. Um, so I graduated November 2021. So realistically, I've been pra- in practice a little over a year. Uh, I graduated November 2021. I started applying for jobs as an associateship right out the gate. Uh, all the associate jobs I got were absolutely horrible. They either wanted a three to five year contract or they were paying like $50,000 for 60 hours worth of work a week. And I'm on Long Island. $50,000 can't buy shit here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I can't even live off this. So by the time I eventually went to one guy, I found a good thing. But then he was like, again, the three to five year contract. I was like, I don't think I could do this. I want to open up my own office. He's like, yeah, you're great. But I had to change of heart. And obviously that didn't end up working out. So I always like to quote this story. I was on my honeymoon in the middle of December. I got an email while I was on the flight home from my honeymoon and I was buying my malpractice insurance on the flight so I can go cover this doc going uh, the next day. So you want to talk about hustle. That's just one thing to the next, no time for rest. Um, So what ended up happening was I worked with him as an independent contractorship. He paid me directly and I was able to take all that money. I saved it all. I lived at home with my in-laws. I didn't touch it at all. And I just, pooled that money together to fund the practice. So six months later, once I got my um, professional corporation in, uh, New York was taking forever at that time. I just said, hey, I'm going to go for it. I found a professional office. I signed a three-year lease with a one and a half year uh, breakout clause if I get too big uh, so he can find me a bigger space. And then I've just been taking it off since. Now, the biggest thing that changed that was I, I started the mastermind program before I opened. And that made a huge difference for me because most people go into it not knowing what to do, not knowing what prices to charge, not knowing what model to run. And just having all that information right out the gate, I didn't have to worry about switching everything later. I didn't have to worry about switching over all the crap that you build up and all the bad practices you build up over time. So that made the biggest key difference was I was able to go like out the gate knowing what to do. That being said, I still made the mistakes. I still charge too low. I still uh, negotiated sessions. I still was charging. I didn't have enough session packages. So I fixed that within a month and two. Once I had, you know, I guess your idea of like proof of concept. Um, I was like, oh shit, this works. And then the first month uh, I made $10,000 mm-hmm. just what was, from- What was your first month? October, November or earlier than that? Uh, earlier than that. I think my first month was, uh, so my first month was technically I opened up Halfway through July, July, I'm counting August as my first month because yep. it was like the first full month was yep. 10K. Okay. And then how's it gone since then? So first month, 10K. And then after that, how have you done okay, so overall? Uh, if you, so the only month I had, which was low was December, but prior we'll to get December, to. we'll talk about it. Uh, November was 16,000. Okay. I just, so, I look back in the books. I actually, I miscalculated. Okay. So start at 10 and you had a month of 16 in the first few months of practice, which by the way, um, just, I always say my job as a coach is to make things happen faster than happen for me. I think it took me almost two years to get to that number. Um, so awesome. But 
So you've had a lot of success early on. You've grown it very quickly. And I want to go into, um, you know, you as a person and some of the traits that you possess, because I, I know that people will find value. You are someone who doesn't mind working hard, doesn't mind putting the grind, which early on in a business is, is absolutely, you know, what you need. And so go through a little bit, because again, some people don't recognize, I think the level of work, it's like, Oh, 10,000, 15,000 a month. That's fantastic. Oh, I can do that too. It's like, you can, but here's what it takes. So I remember one day on the mastermind call, you were just listing off all of the things that you were doing to help grow. Just walk us through some of the things, all the things that you have done that worked, haven't mm-hmm. worked. So just people can get an idea of what it takes. I think the first thing, and I was actually on a call with somebody yesterday, uh, who was asking me, uh, another rehab chiropractor was asking me a question about whether I did like how much I, I put in paid advertising. And I said, zero. I said, I haven't spend money on a single ad yet. So I've been able to grow to 10, 16 K, not a single paid ad, you know, which I think people don't really understand that. And they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, it's aggressive networking. And, and it's not just like, I don't just say networking. Cause like, you're not, I'm not going into places and being like, I'll treat you all. It's like, no, like I'm building relationships. That is what we're in the business of. The business is relationships. And by fostering those relationships, I'm getting patients as a result. And people feel comfortable sending me those patients because they know I'm not a sleazy salesman who's going to take away their friends and family's last dollar. They're like, oh, he's going to help you and he's going to be honest with you. So what I did in the beginning was I went to every single gym I could. So when I say every single gym I could, I mean like, I went to all the chains. I went to any anywhere where the monthly payment was like over $50. I didn't waste time at Planet Fitness. I didn't waste time at Crunch Fitness. And you know, maybe there is some niche there that I could uh, procure. But like for right now, my thing is boutique gyms. So any boutique gym I could find, CrossFit Studios, uh, group fitness training studios, even like Orange Theory, I would probably pop into because they're, again, more of a high ticket sale than a low ticket sale, uh, more medium ticket. But what I'm trying to say is like, just being aggressive and going out, take classes. Don't be afraid. Like you got to use the people's services. You got to show that you value them and then they're going to value you. So right in the beginning, so July, I, uh, my one year wedding anniversary that morning, I, I had, I was scheduled to go away that morning. I did a CrossFit event. That was the first ever event I did. It was absolutely horrible. I was over tucked away in a corner of a booth. I got two people come over to me, three people come over to me, but you know what? it was worthwhile because I ended up getting the owner who paid me $2,400 in cash for a payment plan, uh, for a, a package, right. That following week. So, you know, it ended up working out that I had a, you know, a rough three hours. Like it's not always fun. Like you're there, you're standing there in the heat, not talking to anybody, but, uh, I took golf lessons and my golf instructor became a, uh, a client of mine. Uh, he's referred me people. I went down to, uh, three other, um, three like discovery visits, for other CrossFit gyms. And over those two to three months, I've built up relationships with them. I've dropped in, I've given them free stuff. I've given them this. I've treated the owners that they're now sending me people that like the last three months, I haven't even done any in-person marketing and I've still been getting so many referrals. Like I'm getting 10 to $12,000 in referrals. How do you navigate the idea of kind of networking, but not feeling like you're just asking for business. Cause I think a lot of people, what their biggest hang up with going to like a gym or something or doing a network is it feels inauthentic. Like they're just there to get business. And you mentioned the word relationship. So how have you sort of navigated 
going, yes, understanding that down the line, we really do obviously we want to get business out of it, but not feeling like, oh, uh, oh, hey, John, nice to meet you. Can you send me a patient? How do you navigate mm-hmm. that? What advice would you have for somebody? Be interested in them. And I think that's the, the real key to this. Uh, I read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And that was a phenomenal book on how to actually talk to people. Because most of the time when you come in and right off the bat, first visit, do not ask for anything. The first time you meet anyone, you can say, hey, I'm here to help out if you need anything. But that's it. You, you are not making a sales pitch on the first visit. No matter what book you read or anything you're going to look at, it's going to tell you, do not make a sales pitch on the first visit. Uh, I think if I was to track everything, which I have, uh, three to four contact points seems to be the magic number. Like by the third or fourth contact with someone, that's when you can start. That's when I start to get patients from them. Yeah. Whether that be uh, the fourth contacts an event or a third contacts an event, I know that's like a really random number, but the 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 data shows it's three to four touch points <laughs> before you can actually profit from it. I'm just laughing um, because I'm just laughing because you know, and I've been guilty of this in the past, and um, I think a lot of us are. But that 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 three to four touch points of just that objective measure, because how many people have I talked to that you probably took? Oh, I met this gym owner. He doesn't want to work with me. It's like, well, how many times did you talk to him once? Right. Mm-hmm. And so just the idea like, okay, but what about four times? What about seven? Like what, mm-hmm. what happens if you just are there enough? Like, and I was guilty of this too. It's a funny story. So Kaylee, who, you know, works with us now, she, she met, she met a guy that owns a float studio, like a wellness, whatever floating mm-hmm. tank. And she went in there without me knowing or whatever. And she's like, Oh, they said they know you. And I said, yeah. When I first opened the practice in 2015, I had gone over there and networked or whatever. And she's like, Oh, like what happened? Why didn't it like turn into anything? Any tips for me? And I said, yeah, the biggest tip for for that I would give you is advice that I didn't, no one gave to me, which was just keep at it. Right. I, I, I went there once or twice and then that was it. And seven years later. And so I said to her, like the advice I'll give to you is the advice I wish I would have had that we just have to do more of it and have more reps in there. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like I, uh, I had a, the greatest example, I had a uh, CrossFit coach and the thing is people don't do it long enough. They just do not do it long enough. Like you expect to go in one visit and now I have $10,000 in revenue in the next month. And it's like, no, you know, sure. If it happens, good on you. That was the rarity. Do not make that the, that's the exception, not the rule. So I have a guy who I, uh, greatest guy, absolutely love him, love him to death. Cause he is such a smart CrossFit trainer. He's remodeled his, uh, his work. Uh, I recommend him to anybody because he is truly like a strength and conditioning coach who uses the name CrossFit just to get people in another lesson for another day. Right. But, uh, he, I spent probably three or four visits to him and all we did was just talk shop. Like we talked training, we talked things, we talked conjugate method, we talked all these different strength and conditioning principles, guys we follow, giving each other advice. And out of nowhere, right, he sent me uh, a patient of his because he's like, oh, hey, by the way, I have this guy, he's got post-knee surgery, he's got problems with his hip, no one's fixing it, I'm going to send him you because I know you're, you're really good, $6,000 sale. Mm-hmm. But it took three months of networking for that to come to fruition. And like you say, I think it's, it's just about how long you're willing to do it. Yeah, you know, eventually it will pay off, and then that six thousand dollars sale led to he sending his sister in, he sent his friend in, and then I I treated a guy for free because it was one of the guy's coaches. He couldn't afford it. And I was like, okay, hey, you know what? I totally get it. Let me treat you for three, three free visits. Uh, it was a lat strain. I was like, it should be done by then. It's done. Guess what? He's now a monthly maintenance patient. Mm-hmm. 
And what did I do? I sacrificed $885 to make what? 3000 for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I mean, it's, it's easy to hear as you're talking the amount of energy and, and that you sort of put forth and also the stick to itiveness. Where does that come from? Uh, definitely not drugs. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I truthfully, I don't know. Um, I've always been high energy. My wife the other night was like, I, I heard you talking on the call the other day. She's like, Justin said, you look like you're on speed. She's like, I would 100% agree with him. Yeah. Uh, and I would agree well, with that too. Well, um, so let me, let me ask you a more focused question actually, because there are people that have a lot of energy that it goes in 3000 different directions. The thing for you, I think the skill actually is to take that and harness it into put it in one direction that allows you. So how do you, cause again, many of you have a lot of energy or lack focus, but you have energy and focus. But how do you think about harnessing it into making sure that you're going the direction you want to go to? What well, great question. Cause there are weeks where it doesn't do that. Like it's, it, it's, it may seem like it's focused all the time and it's not. Cause then and I think that's the, I was on a conversation with somebody the other day and he was like, he's like, you're always so focused. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I was like, if I don't, I was like, the night before, every night before I go to bed, I set out and I time block my entire day. And I know exactly what time I have patience. I know exactly what time I need to leave. I know exactly how much I have to get done that day. And I know exactly how much time I have that to get done, period. So when I set my intentions for the day and set my goals for the day, that is what I'm working on. And that is what I do. If I don't do that, I know why. And it's not like I just, oh, like a day, does, a day doesn't go by and I do nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so... I can be a little more specific about that, but I guess the idea is that what I found the best to work is obviously time blocking where I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing marketing for this hour or I'm doing sales training for these two hours. If I can listen to a podcast on the way, drive into my work, it's I'm trying to make use of every minute possible to further myself and skills. Right. Uh, but I'm not always focused. You know, it's really easy for me to get distracted. So like if I get a text, if I get this, I can be on a phone call for an hour. Easy. I like to talk, as you guys can tell already. Like I love talking. Um, yeah. No, I think it's it's a good it's a good um, it's a good lesson, and I think you know where I learn the best from is listening to others and how they sort of process and see the world. And so, um, listen, even listen, I'm learning from listening to you speak as well. And I think it's 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 really interesting to hear you know your process. What um you know we get on these podcasts and everything's great and all that, but like take us into some of the struggles you've had in the last few months, it's being a business owner. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So what are the struggles? Um, you know, there are days where you wake up and you don't want to do anything. Why? Like why? Yeah. I don't know if it's depression. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if it's burnout. You know, I, I would say they're all the same thing. Um, but you know, when you're racing at a hundred miles an hour, eventually something is going to break down. It's just a fact. Um, so like there are days where I wake up and I don't want to do anything. I'm tired. I'm like this. It's like, okay. And then I have to, you know, make sure I, I do stuff. Um, so that's been a struggle. I guess the being alone has been a struggle. Um, cause being a solo practitioner is not all it's cracked up to be. You know, I remember being in an office of, you know, 30 people and you had your friends, you looked forward to seeing them. Everything was good. Uh, you know, doing our, as great as the hour appointments are from a monetary perspective, you do eight straight, eight, eight hour appointments back to back to back. It's fatiguing. You get you know tired at the end of the day. Um, I think that the hardest part is also being the one to make decisions. No one's telling you what to do. Like you're your own boss. So when I talk to people who want to be an entrepreneur and want to go out and open up their own practice, I'm like, you have to be okay. Like, like it's not like 
I, I don't want to say, are you willing to enjoy the benefits? Like I have, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Like that freedom is amazing. It allows me to, uh, what other job in the world could I get? Like, could I benefit from going out and networking at gyms? I love working out. So like, I literally get paid to work out basically. Um, but the problem is you also have to be okay with the downsides and the downsides are you're not making as much money as maybe you were, if you were an associate right off the bat. Right. So you have to be okay with those struggles. You have to be okay with like living at home for the first few years to be able to uh, make those finances happen. You have to be okay with the rejection of patients because now you're not like one of the things you also have to do is you have to disassociate yourself from your practice. Um, you are not your practice. You are not your business. When you're selling, you're selling the company and then there's you. If someone says, no, I don't want to do it. It's not a rejection to you. It's a rejection to the sale, to the offer. That's it. It is nowhere near a reflection on you. And that is something that took me a really long time, way longer than it should have to learn because I took every rejection personally. Mm-hmm. And that is not fun. Right. Um, especially when you're getting like 10 people in and like eight of them reject you. You're like, okay, like 20% of people like me, 80% of people hate me. Is that? The- <laughs> yeah. Um, any, is there anything more, I guess, focused you want me to kind of, I mean, actually, you know, you're in your office right now, we're doing this on zoom and I can see, you know, we've got, I always say the four walls and that's it. Right. And, um, that's it. And, and, you know, I, I resonate with what you said about it being the first thing you said about being solo and being lonely. Um, truthfully on a selfish level, the reason why I wanted to grow my business originally was because of what you just said. I was like, I don't, just, I, I don't, I just can't imagine this being the rest of my career that it's just going to be mm-hmm. me. Now I can do it for a period of time, but part of that motivation, part of that me taking a pay cut, part of like all the sacrifices I made, again, it was, it was a selfish endeavor that I needed other people because I knew that I wasn't going to last doing it like that for long because business is really, really lonely. And, you know, one of the reasons why I like obviously having the mastermind, obviously teach business skills and whatever, but the community aspect of it, like it's a place for us, even though, yes, it's still just you, there is an opportunity to see other people and act around other people. Whereas when we get going, sometimes it's just us, you know? So I think that that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, then the other part that I wrote down here is you said, I get paid to work out mm-hmm. and, and I love that, right? Because you're right. There are a lot of downsides to owning a business, but one of the upsides, I think if you do it correctly is to build a business around the life that you want, build mm-hmm. a business around the life that you want. And so like I play golf and so we try to treat golfers so I can be at the course and do that type of stuff. And I like to work out too. Too. And so last on on Wednesday, uh, we did a, one of our old patients opened up a yoga studio down the street and we, the team went and did yoga. Right. And so like we're working and, and, you know, I always say, and this might be useful for you or, or people out there. You know, I told our team that, um, I know that I'm in a sweet spot when I feel guilty. And so like in my own world, when I go travel for my own masterminds and my CEO groups and all that, I'm like, I get on the plane and I'm like, man, I get to like go to Florida and learn and be around friends and hang out and better myself. It's like, this is like weird. It's like work. It's like, and I was like, almost like a level of guilt. Like, I can't believe this is actually, I like doing it and it's useful. And then I know that I'm in the good spot, right? I know that I'm in a good spot. And, and I think that we have that ability in, in business to be able to create that if, if we are intentional with how we create, how we create our business. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so uh, a lot of just big takeaways there, the, the being solo and, and getting paid to work out and things of that nature. But I want to go back to, you talked about having a slow December and I said, let's mm-hmm. get back to that. So yeah, holiday and all that, it, it, that, that's a possibility. But I remember having this conversation with you and this is also where being in business is a spiritual game. You know, the, the trajectory of business owners, especially in our world as rehab Kairos is that like our business is slow and we don't have any patience. So we go out and we network and we do all the things we need to do to go grow the business. Mm-hmm. And inevitably eight to 12 weeks later, we get a lot of patience from it. And then when that happens, we have to be in the office to make sure we can treat the patients and book them on plans and do our evals and all of that. But because of that, we stopped doing the networking because we're in our office. And I can't remember if it was you or somebody else, but someone was like, yeah, I just haven't been focused or I haven't, I've been a little lazy this month. The business hasn't really grown. I was like, hold on a second. Probably was me. That's not, that is not a, that's not true. That's not true. That's, that's a label that is not true. The anatomy of what happened is what happens to everyone in that you're not busy. So you do the things that get you busy and then you get busy. So you stop doing the things that got you busy. Now, the problem is not that it happened. The problem at scale is that we always let it happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the goal if, in growth, right, is to mitigate that. Meaning, what does that mean? It means that we have to have systems. It means that maybe we knew, need a digital marketing strategy at some point. It means that we need other people. We need to like buy ourselves out of certain tasks that we no longer have to do. And that's sort of the anatomy of how the business scales and grows. Now, at every business in the world will always have seasonality or ebbs and flows of how it goes. But where I measure business success is actually what the lows are, right? As an example, our practice, half a million bucks, our main location. If we do, if we do 30,000 in a month, it's like, oh no, this is a bad month. How, right? At our level, it's 30,000 is like not good at all. Mm-hmm. But compared to a business that's just getting going where the floor is 3,000, Mm-hmm. It's a, the, the bottom is a lot bigger. And the only way that happens is because now we have four or five other people that are still going to make the business run at mm-hmm. that level. And I think that kind of becoming a, a good business or a solid business is really making sure that the floor is limited. But if we think about scale of the company, a lot of it is just making sure that we can limit sort of the, the ups and the downs so that we don't have a $25,000 a month and then a $5,000 a month. Right. Because if it's one person, you will become time poor at some point, which again mm-hmm. is where all these other things come into play. And you mentioned it before, like we have legitimately have a business where people pay us to run Google ads, but you've been in our program for how many months? And I'm like, do not under no circumstance. Do you need that when you start? Because all the things that you talked about doing that were free in the beginning, you have more time than money. Go Mm -hmm. put the time in to do that. Those are the people that you need. They can obviously, like you just talked about, you can build a a pretty darn good business by not paying for any ads. Now, at scale, long-term, I don't think that's a a long-term strategy, but in the first six months or whatever, it's a fine strategy. It's absolutely the way, you know, the way to do it. So let's fast forward or let's look ahead. So you're in your one room, your business Mm -hmm. is growing. What are the next, what, what's, let's, let's say you're going to start, you're going to be 15 a month. You're probably gonna be at 20. What, what, what's next for you? Well, I need to, like you said, scale, uh, I guess for, for me, I'm going to have to get some sort of, I'm in the process of getting a better digital marketing strategy. So what I'm working on right now is I'm working a little bit on SEO, uh, factors for my website. 
Um, I have a friend who's a marketer and what I've been working with her on is, uh, I'm actually trying to pay her to, to, uh, do some of the stuff for me so I could buy some, buy back some of my time. Um, what I'm trying to do is get the, uh, blog posts up and running. Like I've been doing the weekly emails, like I do newsletters. What I didn't realize is like someone like Carrie, who, you know, Jose has the emails go to blocks. And I was like, okay, that's, that's silly. Why don't I do that? Cause that's something that'll take me what an extra 30 seconds just to post it up to a blog post. Yeah. Um, I already have the things written. So that's, that's where I'm working on now to try and get more organic traffic. I'm going to, at some point need to hire an admin, uh, hopefully sooner than later, who's going to be working part-time remote, uh, by basically I have a year is, is the idea because by next year, my break in my lease is up that I can be able to go to a bigger space. So unfortunately, 200 square feet is a little small to get in more people. Um, I could potentially, if I wanted to get a, mar- uh, you know, admin, I kind of have the marketing help as is, uh, move over to a digital marketing strategy. Uh, and then I could potentially get another, I could get another chiropractor in this room. If I wanted to, I'd prefer to probably have maybe like a 500, 600 square foot space to do that slightly bigger and then move forward with that. Like, I like it. Yeah. And, and again, another thing that you sort of said, which is a, is a problem I often see is the first move. A lot of times when people get busy is to bring on another chiropractor, which the, the problem with that is you would turn into the job that you turned down because we don't have a good idea. There's, you can't really pay them. There's not enough business coming in. We can't help fill their schedule and they have to be the admin and all that. And it's like, you know, now we're just setting ourselves up for failure. And, and it's, you know, again, the audience, just so you guys are aware, a lot of things that Mike now is talking about as like second nature, just listen to what he's saying. He's like, I'm building my schedule. Right. But the next best, the next thing for me is I have to figure out how to continue to be able to market this thing while I'm treating patients, let that thing work for me. Now that I have a little bit more time, money than time, I'm going to start to outsource some of that next step. In addition to that, at the same time is I need admin help, right? Because if you don't have an assistant, you're the assistant. And so if that's someone you could pay 20 bucks an hour to do scheduling and whatever, super bills, billing, answer phones, and we're doing that, theoretically, we're, we're wasting our time. And so mm-hmm. now imagine we have a company that, that we have a, uh, we have a solid marketing plan, both non-digital and digital. We have, you know, you have the backend CRM help nurture the clients. You have an admin Absolutely. to take some of the admin off. Now, if you bring on an associate into that environment, we got, we got a chance. Now I'm not saying it's going to work out. It's going to be perfect, <laughs> but we're actually putting some, a, a new grad or an associate in an environment where they can be successful. And the reason why, the reason why I'm talking through this is, you know, I've talked about this with you guys as I've kind of started to coach more. I realized what I think my real purpose is, is that is to actually like Mike Fucci coming out of school in 2021. What if he had the opportunity that hopefully Mike Fucci could provide? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, you've done fine and not saying you can't. The problem is there's a lot of people that don't and don't do fine. There's a lot of people that would need a really good environment that would need to be helped, that would need nurturing, that would need a mentor like you're going to be able to provide. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get it, unfortunately, they're either going to be out of the profession or they're going to hate their life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that now we're starting to set ourselves up for beyond just getting Mike busy and making him a decent income. Now we're starting to build Mm -hmm. a company that means something. And, and I, I, you know, you're, you're so close. You're like there, which is so cool. So quickly. Um, and, and I think, you know, if I could give you any advice, just as I hear you out is like, 
you know, you have another year and it's like, what a position to be in. Even if we couldn't move, let's say we couldn't move. If we can build all the infrastructure, right, of the business, Mm -hmm. right? And we go a little slower and what's the worst that happens? We build up a pile of cash, stockpile cash. We build business systems. And now a year from now, we're ready to deploy it. And we've got, you know, we can do that. I mean, it's not the worst position in the world to be in. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, I think that there's, there's so much to that. So, um, give, so we have people that are, want to start their own practice. Maybe they're out of school, maybe a couple years out and they might be concerned, afraid, like what is some advice that you would give them? And I know you do talk to people already. What is some, some tidbits of advice that you might give to the audience? Try to find out what the important thing is and then focus on that. Don't let yourself get distracted. There's so many things to do when you're, when you're starting a business, you know, between hiring an accountant, hiring a lawyer, doing this, doing that. Don't, don't forget at the end of the day, you need patience first. Like I know people who like, I did it a very structured way, which is how I think a lot of people tend to do it, but you could just, you know, just as easily start up. I know a guy who works as a, um, just a individual, like he, he's just a solo practitioner, right? He doesn't have a LLC. He doesn't have a PC. You, you could start. There's nothing that's like keeping you back. Um, just start getting patients, going out and networking. One thing I would highly recommend though, is if you're planning on like, let's say, you know, you're graduating school, you're planning on opening up your, you, you have enough money, you're planning on opening up, doing something really low level, like maybe renting space in a gym with just a, with just a portable table, right? Totally can start like that. Uh, start networking like two to three months outward, at least, right? If you look at someone like uh, Alexis in the group, right? She went down, she, she was not, she's not from Florida. She went, she went down to Florida from New York, right? She had to fly down there. And she started networking with gyms like what six months prior, right? Which is phenomenal because she now is like opening up with money in the bank like yeah. her first week, and yeah, that's that's made, unheard of. I think she made two to three grand the first week, right? Could you imagine opening up a practice where maybe your overhead was five hundred dollars on a portable table, right? Making two to three thousand dollars, you just paid the next three four months. Yeah. It's, right, keep your living expenses low. It's it's a phenomenal thing, and you just put yourself in such a good advantageous position. So start networking early. Um, one thing that I really like, and this is going out to, I, I had a conversation with a guy uh, yesterday, who, for better or worse, is just like me, which is a curse and a blessing at the same time. Right, you go a thousand miles an hour, but you can go a thousand miles an hour in many different ways, and that just leads to burnout. Uh, so one of the things I was saying to him is like just from my standpoint, like I graduated 4.0 top of my class. I got an A in bone and joint. If you went to NYCC, you know how hard that is. Um, I'm very smart. That is a, one of my most biggest blessings and biggest curses because I assume what people think. I like to finish sentences for people, which is the worst thing you can do in business, especially in sales. You gotta like the hardest thing for me, I'm trying to be stupider. Right. And if that's a good, I think that's a good title for the podcast. Be stupider. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, um, if you can just imagine you don't know anything, learn from scratch, ask the stupid questions. Don't worry about how you're going to be perceived. You're going to be so much better off because you're going to be able to find the right information from the mentor. Don't act like you know it all. Assume you know absolutely nothing and just ask stupid questions. Like I had a guy the other day who was like, Do you do online coaching? And I go, Instead of going, no, I said, what do you mean by that? And we turned out that it was a scheduling issue. So now we were able to overcome that obstacle because he still had that obstacle when he came in for the eval. 
but I knew about it. So now we were able to go over and say, okay, he's like his, his action steps leaving from the eval. He might not have signed up on the eval, but his action steps were to go home because he was very happy with our service. And normally he would have just said, I can't fit it in. He was like, all right, my job is to go home and find one hour a week I can do. And I'm going to hear back from him next week. And it gives you a better shot than if you didn't know that at all. Right. Right. I love it. So, so many takeaways here. This could, uh, we could do this forever. That's, that's amazing. But I think people are going to be overwhelmed, but you getting stupider is a quite, quite the piece of advice. Um, tell the audience where they could find you. What's your Instagram uh, website email so that they want to. Yeah, look absolutely. So good question. Uh, do I know it? <laughs> uh, my Instagram is kinetic.cairo.li. Mm-hmm. Uh, which happens to be my uh, Gmail. It's without the period. So it's kineticchiroli at gmail.com. Um, feel free to reach out to me. And my website is www.kineticchiroli.com. Not the prettiest website, but uh, it gets the job done. Um, so one of the things I will say is if anybody has any information or, or needs any information or has any questions about starting up and just learning where to go, like today, like awesome stuff. I actually, in, a, in about 10 minutes, I have a, uh, social media company coming in that are doing their internal networking events at my office. Nice. You know, what, what better things than can you get that? That's totally free, you know, free publicity. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you have any questions about some of the stuff that I've been doing or how to basically get your office up and running off the ground, I'd be more than happy to help anyone out. Awesome. Mike, we appreciate this at a personal level. You know, you're such a valued member of our community. I think obviously your success makes us all look good. And you've gone from being the new guy to being a leader in the group very quickly with the success you've had, with the experiences you share, and just with your attitude to you know everything that you've done. And, and as I hear you talk, it makes me feel good because I know you're listening. And uh, mm-hmm. so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Guys, if you're out there and, and you, you know, anything resonates with you, Mike's had unbelievable success very, very quickly. I know a lot of people, you know, they're fearful of starting out. What if, what if, what if, and here's a guy that's, you know, just a few months in and he's having success that took me three years to, to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, talk to this guy. He's done fantastic. Follow him on social. Mike, I appreciate it. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. Thank you.